Good morning! On this bold question crunch, Carla Ibarra is here to answer questions about being on the Transgender Advisory Council, her devotion to helping people, and talking about kindness with Lady Gaga. <laughs> I pride myself in being a social justice warrior. Whenever I hear people say, oh, you're SJW, I'm like, yeah, I think that's awesome. I like fighting for, <laughs> I like being a warrior for justice. That's awesome. But a lot of my friends who are self-proclaimed and proud of it, social justice warriors, I hear a lot of people saying, you know what we should do? We should do this. We should do that. We should do this. But there are some of my friends who actually go and do shit, actually make stuff happen. And you are one of them. Um, I'm always amazed whenever I see you post about anything that you're involved with. You're actually you're you're on the ground. You're doing you're getting stuff done. Like it's amazing. That's I don't know question. what. I'm just praising you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was gonna say I don't know what to respond with that, but it makes my heart like, goddamn. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm there. I put myself out there. Um, and. To be like for years, like let me give you a background before we start, like properly right, no start. Um, no, we're starting. For it's years, gonna... <laughs> for years, you know, I, I hated my 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 transness. I I don't like it. I didn't like it because you know all of. I think ninety percent of all the traumas I've experienced, both as a kid and as an adult, has something to do with my transness. So I realized, damn, like when you just mentioned that, you know, I put myself out there, I'm on the ground. It's just all, you know, it's just occurring to me right now that, yeah, like now I turned it around and, you know, use the exact same thing that used to cost me pain to be my source of power. So no, Jimmy, thank you. Thank you for making me realize that. Damn, I'm, I'm. This is like the first minute, and I'm like feeling all kinds of hot right now. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> That's a good That's thing, a good right? Thing. I want, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Just making sure. Because like, uh, uh, yeah, well, because like, I know you did mention trauma, but I think about all the good, all the people that don't have that level of strength yet in their life to be able to make change and come out and put themselves out there, that you're showing them that it's possible, that you're giving people strength and helping them out and showing that there are people, that uh, solidarity, people in your community. And I just think it's fantastic. And every time I see another post of something that you're at, uh, whether it's a uh, uh, Pride Festival, having a booth anywhere, and every time I see you having a booth somewhere, I'm like, boy, I'm, because I'm, I'm, I don't want to be around the public and, at all, any, right now, at all. And just seeing you do that is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate you. Getting people to vote is hard enough, let alone people to participate to help people. <laughs> That's true. So you recently, uh, you're, you're, you're on the Transgender Advisory Council, correct? That's a term of the group? Yeah. What is that? So um, it is actually an actual and legitimate um, recognized um, part of, you know, the city government of LA. So for the city of Los Angeles. Um, it's under the civil um, civil rights department. 
Um, so we're one of the groups um, that essentially like we sit down with the mayor. Well, we will sit down, especially on this <laughs> coming 20th, because this is going to be my first meeting with them. Um, we will we will be sitting down with the mayor and other officials and other government agencies here in, in Los Angeles and, you know, the, the surrounding counties, um, specifically about, you know, trans issues that face the city. Um, so just to give everyone like, you know, a brief background with, you know, the, why do we need this, you know, because a lot of people, I get that from a lot of people, like, why do you even have that? Um, so um, like around like three out of five or four out of five uh, trans people have in some way or another like became unhoused one point in their life or became homeless. So that's just one of the realities that, you know, we face head on in the Trans Advisory Council. So we advise elected people, elected officials who actually have legitimate power to, um, to hear issues of, you know, I issues that face the trans community, not only in LA, but also outside of LA. You know, several um, different things. So we have health, we have issues on immigration, we have issues with, when it comes to the law, people who are formerly incarcerated, um, we do have issues on substance use and recovery. Um, so these issues that are, I would say, personal too, to me. So that's what we essentially do. I think that's fantastic. Um, I feel like there's a lot of times uh, when I'm trying to, dis to tell someone what privilege is, it's, it has nothing to do with you getting anything special. It's people outside of your community that <laughs> don't get what you get. And mm -hmm. I, it's, it's a strange thing to tell people about that because a lot of times privilege will block you and blind you to other situations that you have no idea about what that's going on. So I think that the advisory council is fantastic. It's awesome. Thank you. No, Jimmy, um, and interesting that you brought up, you know, privilege. I think also like, because a lot of people would take these terms, you know, like you and I, who are like social justice warriors, people would be like, oh, like they're talking about privilege. Like sometimes people would be like, they feel kind of iffy around the word, the only because they don't particularly understand it um, in its essence, in its core. But I would say just for the benefit of everyone, privilege is as simple as, you know, something that you don't have to worry about um, versus you see other people, why are they so passionate about talking about trans rights or women's rights or um, Black Lives Matter? Why, why do people spend time and hours just talking about this shit while here you are, you know, like you don't even have to worry about telling people that, hey, this is the name that I go by or this is the pronoun that I go by. So that in itself is a privilege. So that's how you define privilege. Like the things that actually do not bother you at all because it doesn't affect you. Yes, there you go. I've had I've had people who are still confused on the subject, and I've told them uh, it's like if you if, it, if it's someone in a wheelchair, being able to walk is a privilege. You don't ever have to worry about there being ramps. A lot of times, mm -hmm. if there's just a curb, you can easily take a step over the curb. That's yeah. a privilege that you have that other people who can't take that step over the curb they do not. So we have to yeah. fight for them to be mm -hmm. able to get into the store. Yes, exactly. Because like a lot of people would think that you know when you talk about these things. It's always about, you know, oh, I'm smarter than you. I know how to define this word and such. No, it is not never about that. Yep. So, yeah. 
So going back, <laughs> that's what we do to the um the trans advisory council. So we covered all that. My, one of my favorite things is like uh, when you said uh, we will meet up. You you added some inflection on the we will meet with America. I'm like, <laughs> that sounds like doesn't even matter if they want to. We're gonna meet up. <laughs> oh yes, like we will. <laughs> How do you get on the council? Um, it's a series of process. Um, so all the elected um city officials will sit down. There will be like a panel. And stuff like that so they filter us i'm not particularly sure how many uh people applied um but i'm definitely honored you know to be selected as the newest member of the council so we have nine members nine including the um the the chair the chairperson of the council so that's how you get selected you know um your experiences in the community you have to be considered as an expert you know in your chosen field but i don't particularly you know um i i, I don't want to like call myself like an expert but i would say like i have enough you know lived experience as a trans person as an immigrant as you know a non-native english speaker you know i've 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 been through it so i i would say that you know that that in itself is more than enough for me to to qualify to to have an actual seat at the table um plus you know my my, my professional and academic background will also speak for it. Because like a lot of times people told me that, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna expand a little bit um, because this oh, is very, this is very personal to me, Jimmy, like I'm telling you. Um, I've, I've had people tell me that, you know, I shouldn't be in, you know, certain places or be in, in the seats because of my, you know, ethnic background or, you know, where I came from, essentially. I didn't graduate in a U.S. institution, you know, um, with my college. So they feel like, oh, it's like, you know, whatever. I would say, though, you know, fuck all these people. You know, I would say uh, to all the immigrants, to all the brown fucking people like watching this, um, you deserve, you know, as equal opportunity as, you know, any person here in the U.S. You know, take it with me. Like, I had to tell them, like, you know, I have to have a fucking seat, you know, on this one because I'm fucking smart, you know, and I'm capable. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, no, but I would say that, you know, I'm as smart as, you know, as whoever is educated here in the U.S., you know, um, and I proved it, you know, time and time again. And yeah, so they had my, my resume and, like, you know, my life story, essentially, you know like be broadcasted to this um to to the people who who are like seating um in the city so they had to like to weigh on it you know it's kind of fucked up too i would say um because your fate you know for you to have an actual legitimate seat in you know like seat in the transgender advice transgender advisory council will be decided by cis people who are like you know who are elected so i'm like that's kind of like you know that's kind of funny, but you know, I gotta, I had to work through it, you know, for me to be here. So I'm glad, you know, they they understood what I was fighting for. And there was an interview also um, for it. So yeah, I had to talk about, you know, like the, the experiences I had as a kid and other stuff like that. Yeah, I'm talking a lot, Jimmy, I apologize. <laughs> what? No, no, you, you are the guest. <laughs> 
You were a guest. Don't worry about apologizing. That, that... <laughs> I, I, hope, I, I make sure not to get on anyone's case about apologizing, but you definitely do not have to apologize because once you said, I'm going to expand on this, I was like, good, because it's a podcast. People want to listen. It's a conversation. Expand all you, all you want. I want to know more because this is, um, as a cisgender, white, heterosexual man, I am privileged. Pri- I am pretty privileged as fuck. I'm. I've got su- pretty super super privileged. Um, so there's a lot of experiences that I won't know. There won't be. There won't be an elected um, a group of transgender individuals judging me for any kind of role. That's <laughs> that's silly. Well, it's not silly. It's unfortunate that there are <laughs> cisgendered. Uh, um, political officials looking at this and be like, mm, is this person transgender enough? I don't know. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's weird. And I'm trying to think of how we would get beyond that. If it's just an elected, if it would be an elected official, but then you have the dumb people who think that that would think that we don't even need a council. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, like even some people would think that, you know, like minority groups, just like, you know, the Black community, um, any people of color's community, any oppressed communities, you would hear, even from our own people, our own group would say that, oh, you're asking for special rights and shit like that. I'm like, I don't know, girl. Um, maybe you were rich, even though you're brown, but you were rich. This is where the conversation about intersectionality, you know, comes into play. That not because, you know, just because like someone is, you know, have this skin color maybe or, you know, whatever identity that you have doesn't mean that you're actually oppressed because maybe this person was born into wealth, you know, Um, just like how some white folks can be poor at the same time. That's why like um, when we see people, I learned this here too, like being here in the U.S., um, I learned that when you when you meet someone like it's not just enough to see them for you know the the outward you know like expression of themselves like as you go along when you know the person like the more like layers of identities you know like intersect you know to to put that person where they are in you know this whole you know complex struggles and shit you know oh it's just a lot like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah i've i've had a lot of people where i'll talk about privilege and they'll say oh well no it's just because uh it's just because it's just the rich uh it's 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 the rich oppressing the poor and i'm like well that's one of them that's a, that's one of the uh privileges uh but there's multiple versions multiple yeah. uh, categories that we're yeah. all in um one thing that i really like is not only your passion but your drive to be in the uh, healthcare field. Okay. What do you do in the healthcare field? Because I saw a lot of lists of different kind of occupations that you've had. And it's, <laughs> I, I, I tried to write them down. I tried to make the list uh, organized. I even went on your Facebook and I saw them. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to organize this on a timeline. <laughs> so what drives you to work in healthcare? And what have you done in healthcare? Oh, okay. So, um, well, uh, my official position first. So I am currently the, the workforce development manager of, you know, a nonprofit healthcare clinic here in LA. We cater to around um, like 4,000 trans individuals all over the West Coast, making us like one of the biggest transgender health program in the West Coast. 
Um, so I, I oversee, you know, programs and, you know, employment, making sure that our partner agencies, especially LA, um, is trans inclusive, is making sure that, you know, like they, care, they, they are catering to the needs of their trans employees. And if they have, you know, trans, um, uh, what do you call this? Like trans um, applicants, like they would make sure that, you know, they would go past, you know, just the bias of like, oh, because they're presenting some like, you know, differently, like they wouldn't be considered for the job. I've experienced this personally, to be honest with you, but that's another topic. And then I'm oh, also... I know. We, we can go on that topic. Later. So that's what I do. I also help people. Um, this is a part of the services that we have in the clinic. Um, I help people navigate the court systems when it comes to um, document alignment, like gender, gender uh, legal marker, gender marker change, and you know, legal name change. So I help, uh, I help them see through the process from the beginning, filling out the paperwork to securing the, you know, the waiver because it's around like $700 to change your name and other stuff, just to change your name here in, in LA County at least. Uh, yeah, so I make sure that every every person I would help wouldn't have to pay, you know, even a dollar just for that service. And, you know, other things like, you know, I help them, you know, I make sure that they're they're following up with their appointments with the HRT, other stuff. Also, um, in the medical field, I'm also a researcher. Um, I'm currently a part of um, a research team at the Brown University School of Public Health. Um, this is in Rhode Island, um, but I'm doing the work remotely for them. Um, so the official title is actually like consultant down. Like, I feel like, oh, she's legit. But yeah, no, not really. Because, you know, <laughs> well, it is really actually, but I don't know, like the work that we do, um, we're currently doing research on, you know, resiliency and risks, you know, with trans women of color who are in recovery, who experience, you know, substance use disorder, who experience homelessness, and how they 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 have dealt with it and how they they move forward and turn their life around, um, you know, in, in the medical lens, you know, because a lot of times, like, we saw the need for, the, for this one in healthcare, because a lot of people would just think that, you know, being trans is merely a decision, and it's just all cosmetic. And that, you know, if we are struggling, it's because of what we did and not because of other external factors such as, you know, systemic racism and sexism, you know, and misogyny and other stuff like that. Um, yeah, so why am I in healthcare to answer your question, Jimmy? Um, three things, mainly. Um, one is growing up in the Philippines as a trans kid, uh, going to the doctor, it, it's never an option, um, more so, you know, being trans, um, though I didn't come out um, when I was, you know, when I was a kid, but I knew um, that I'm trans and that, you know, people would usually, you know, if there is one who is assigned male at birth and presenting female and they're clearly like pretty masculine with their expression, you know, it's ridiculed. It is, you know, it is laughed at. So I didn't want to be like that. You know, that's that's one of the earliest experience I had with, you know, with stigma, you know, the stigmatization of 
my identity because I knew as a kid that I'm like that. But at the same time, I don't want to tell people that I'm like that because of the way, you know, they they welcome it, you know, the way they treat those people. Um, so yeah, we we never had the luxury of getting medical care. I never had like a proper, you know, primary care provider until I moved here to the US. And that was only in 2018, barely four years ago. Um, yeah, so I was doing my hormones from 2012 to 2018, just from the black market. I will be getting it from the streets, just like how you do drugs and other stuff, you know, from the streets. It is like that. And when I've seen people die, you know, like while transitioning because they don't have a doctor, nor that there's no doctor that would want to treat us because we are trans. Because like our birth certificate would, would tell them that we are males or with uh, trans men that they are females, but they present as men. Um, they, they just don't like treating us for whatever reason. And there's no actual thing that would support, you know, our claims of like, you know, the care that we want to get is actually legit. There's, there's no such thing in the Philippines. Um, so that's one. And then aside from that, uh, witnessing how gravely, you know, disenfranchised the trans community is and oppressed, um, both historically and up to this day, you know, the, the access, the kind of access that we have, especially to, you know, trans communities of colors, the health disparity is just, it's just way, you know, beyond what you could expect. I mean, what you could say as humane, you know, like people just die without even having the access to, to healthcare. Or even when we have access, we have this health clinics, like the, the place I work at, but there are other things, you know, there are other determinants of health, aside from healthcare, also the income, you know, social economic status and other stuff like that. So I want to be the person who would integrate, you know, actual trans stories in the narrative, you know, of people in healthcare, that, you know, our struggle um, is essential to the progress that we are going to make in, you know, the, the field of, you know, public health and healthcare in general, um, you know, and one thing too, um, paying the kindness forward, because like the trans community was here for me when I didn't know what to do or where I didn't know where to go, you know, they were there for me. So I want to, I want to pay that, you know, that kind of kindness forward to the community, you know, I want to be the person who will enable my community to not only survive, but to actually thrive, you know, as people, as a community. So I, that's why I'm, I'm in healthcare because like, you know, like I've seen it, like people just die without even getting medical care. And lastly, um, this is a way for me to, you know, me getting into grad school, um, doing my master's in public health in USD. Um, taking leadership positions in several organizations, major organizations in LA, being able to do that, it's a way for me to hold the space for other people so that, you know, 
they too could be inspired that, you know, they deserve that kind of seat at the table, that we are not just, you know, just some, we are not, we're not only going to end up as constituents, we are going to take the lead like that, you know, that trans people can actually lead too, you know, that we can, we can, we can control the conversation. We can carry the conversation. Um, that we we are the ones setting the rules, you know. Um, so I wanna I wanna set the space and hold that space so that others may come with me, so that they too can have a seat. So that's why, yeah, I'm interested in health. And I that's think that's a lot. <laughs> that, no, it is it is not a lot. It's 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 awesome. I keep saying fantastic, but that's the best best adjective I could think of. Uh, I, but I could say spectacular, awesome. Anything that's described Spider-Man uh, would be a good adjective. Because um, like, there's uh, one, one of one of my friends. I remember we got in an argument. Not not recently. You know, pandemic has blurred the timeline, so I can't remember exactly when we had this argument. It could have been recently. It could have been a few years ago. I have no idea. It could have been last summer. Who cares? The point is, is that he said that. Um, I don't, he says something along the lines of, I don't understand fighting for someone who is unwilling to fight for themselves. And I told him that I don't like that because some people should just be allowed to exist and not have to fight. Yes. I don't, I don't like having to make everyone have to fight. Like existence yes. is hard enough. We don't have to fight. So when I hear you saying that, no, we can make the rules and you're, you are a fighter. You, you, I know you said you're not an expert. And that's cool. That's all right. But you have a lot of experience and a lot of passion to be in this in the chair. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily think there needs to be an expert. Just someone who is passionate enough, enough and knows what the hell they're talking about. And I appreciate that greatly. Your willingness to fight for folks so that you can show fighters that they can fight, and you can allow people who don't want to fight. You can help them get there without fighting. Yes. Thank you, Jimmy, for pointing that out. So for people who are listening to on this one or who are watching, I would say that, you know, whatever it is that you do, you know, to better yourself or not do is all valid. You know, like if, if you all see me, if you're a trans person listening right now or a person of color listening right now or an immigrant and I choose to do this, this doesn't mean that you have to do this too, you know? I'm doing this so that others, you know, won't have to go through the experience I had when I was a kid. I didn't have someone, you know, I didn't have someone to look up to when I was a kid growing up. You know, um, my family wasn't really welcoming with, you know, the idea that I'm trans. So I don't want another trans kid, you know, to go through that. And at the same time, I know like a lot of I know, you know, the idea of resilience is beautiful. Resiliency, resilience, you know, we do. We even research about that, you know, the current research I do. But fuck resilience. <laughs> like, no, because like, no, I'm for real. Like, we're fucking tired, dude. Like, do we have to be resilient? Do we have to go through all this shit first for us to be allowed to, to be recognized as proper human beings? You know, do we have to go through all this shit just for us to, to have a place in media, just to have just for, for our stories to be heard. Why can't we just be born and just be like a regular, damn, like, you know, fuck resilience. You know, I'm fucking tired of that shit. Like people, oh, you're so resilient. 
well, I understand that. And I know that's coming from a place of, you know, actually being genuine and from an actual place of goodness. I understand that. And thank you. I appreciate it. But fuck that shit. You know, let's let's shift the conversation to talking about why don't we make these spaces, you know, good enough so that people like me, people who are trans, people who are black, who are women, who are assigned female at birth, don't have to go through this shit just for them to live a life, a proper fucking life, you know? It's it's fucking tiring, dude. <laughs> I'm so I, sorry. <laughs> I like it. I like it that you said we studied re- we studied resilience, but fuck that. Uh, was that on your essay that you just said in the intro? Like, uh, fuck this subject. <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. You know, like I understand because that's the current situation we have at hand, and to better understand it, we gotta study it. That's why we're doing it. But how we wish, you know, we don't even have to talk about resilience. Because when you're talking about resilience, um, we're talking about, you know, people went through some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But why do people have to go through some shit for us to, like... Just exist? Yeah. (laughs) I cannot. Well, (laughs) Speaking of fighting, if Valentine's Day was an action movie, who would you cast as Cupid? Oh, my gosh. Um... I was thinking about this for the whole day. Chris Good. Hemsworth. <laughs> Go. I, I would love Chris Hemsworth. I don't know. He's just so fucking hot. I cannot. Oh. That's such a good choice. Yeah. It, you know what? He just occurred to me because I was stressing myself to like, who would I choose as a Cupid? I think that's going to be cute because how we portray, you know, Cupid, like a little kid, you know, angel with the wings and stuff like that. Why don't we have a... Why don't we have like a character who's like, you know, who's hot and just hairy. Funny. And, he's funny. Yes, he's funny because, too. And hairy. You, <laughs> yeah. Did you see the 2016 Ghostbusters movie? Yes. Um, a lot of his lines in that movie were improvised. Uh, really? And it was, really. And it was insane because I did not know, like, I, I knew he was funny and I knew that he has good comedic timing. But when I found out some of the really amazing jokes that he said in that movie were all him, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I'm more than willing to see him be a leading force in any comedy that he does. I want to see him do more improv. I love him as Thor in Ragnarok. And it, when, once they made Thor funny, it was fantastic. But I still want him to really be funny, like do some comedy yeah. action. Yeah. So, oh, I'm glad that, you know, you're you're affirming my choice. Like, really, Chris Hemsworth, you know, he's the only actor I thought about. I was I was like, what the fuck will I answer? Like, who will who will I who will I answer to this one? But yeah, Chris Hemsworth. And mind you, Jimmy, I'm not I'm not a person who's big into celebrities and shit like that. Um, Chris Hemsworth is only one of the few celebrities like media that I follow. <laughs> No, for real though. Like so, so, so there were three people that you knew of, and you were picked the one. <laughs> yeah, Chris Hemsworth all the way. Oof. I just cannot. I so love. Uh, him. What was it? I think my friend Jen said something along the lines of the only reason why the Avengers lost is because that was the one Avengers movie that Thor was not shirtless. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
every other Thor movie, he's shirtless. He wins. Come on. Yeah. Do the math, yeah. Avengers. I know. <laughs> I know. It's just that's awesome. Such a, that's such a good answer because a lot of times when I come up with these <laughs> questions, I start thinking about my answer for that. But whatever answer I thought of is irrelevant because Chris Hemsworth is such a good choice. <laughs> Who did you think a- about? I hope I know the actor. No, I can't remember now. Like, well, okay, no, that's a lie. Because when I was thinking about drawing it, I was thinking about drawing it as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, not because he's a good choice, okay, just because that would be really funny to draw. I, I, I think don't... that's actually pretty good too. That's a good option, you know. Because I was thinking about the character Cupid. We gotta move away from that, you know, like kid image and stuff. But I understand why they. Like they they represent Cupid as a kid because it's a sign of like love, like the product of love. But let's move away from that. Stop that shit. Like not all love will 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 go to having kids, you know. Why don't we have like an actual like big guy, but you know, who talks about love, you know, breaking the fucking stereotype of how is it to be a macho man, you know, like oh, all you have to talk about is all about this toxic masculinity shit. No, why don't we have Chris Hemsworth talking about love and like you know, having people fall in love and shit, right? Like, and he's, I, again, like, he's, he's hot, so. I would watch the I'm hell sorry. out of an action movie. <laughs> if, they went, if, they went, if they went hardcore with the action, like, have a big old chase scene and have him shooting, like, heart arrows to yeah. make people, to make fighters yeah. fall in love, yeah. down, I would buy the ticket. <laughs> so, I mentioned this earlier. I remember when you were posting on your Facebook about uh, the Power of Kindness documentary, and I was really excited about seeing this because the photos I saw were really beautiful. Um, Lady Gaga is associated with it, and I, yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm it's weird to say I'm not a big Gaga fan because I like her. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. I just I have I'm not. She was not the selling point. Seeing you in the documentary was a selling point for me. Yes. So I uh, sought it out and I watched it and it did make me, it, it made me cry a few times. It was beautiful. Uh, how many people were finding a safe space in this conversation? What was it like to be a part of that documentary? You know, before I answer that, Jimmy, I would tell you too. I told Lady Gaga herself um, off cam that I'm not her biggest fan. Oh, um, what? <laughs> yeah. I told her, girl, I was like this girl, I'm not your biggest fan. But I would tell you. No, but, but, no, because like um, she was like playing some music, and I'm like, oh, I don't know that. I told her like I'm not her biggest fan. My sister is, but I've been even back in high school. I already knew of her because of the things that she's doing for the LGBT community. You know, like the way she just like brings us to like she brings us to the spotlight, and I fucking love that. So I told her that. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know, like the songs that you have, especially the newer ones, but I know, I know the Born This Way, I know, um, you know, some other things, and I can sing along with it, but yeah, but how it felt, though, it was fucking surreal, it was amazing, um, I can't even believe it was happening, even, like, after a week of filming it, I was talking with the people I, I became friends with in the, in the documentary, you know, um, just being able to share my story to the world, to the world, like on a global platform, um, you know, especially to, to the trans kids who are being hard on themselves, you know, while watching it. 
I've received a lot of um, messages in Instagram telling me how, how much, you know, grateful they are to see me there and talking about, you know, my experiences and that, you know, it, it helped them, you know, like even though they, they don't know me and I don't know them, you know, like I helped them at least, you know, with, with what they're going through of feeling helpless. And to me, that means a lot. To me, that was inspiring. That was life-changing. It was surreal being a part of that. Um, before, I used to think that, you know, like being in, in films, being in this shit, like it's not important. But I would say that, you know, that kind of changed, you know, the way I see celebrities, celebrities in a way, like just like Lady Gaga, just like, you know, you know, people in film. I thought it was just all glam and, you know, just all beauty and all the awards and shit. No, not really. You know, it's really about those people who see it. And that's the only way for them to, to have, you know, to see someone who, who look like them, you know, who speak like them. Yeah, uh, I have like a lot of people who, who reached out in, in Instagram and to all those who remembered me, hello, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, Jimmy. It was really fucking amazing. I hope you didn't tell them that you're not a fan of God Lady God. <laughs> I just said it here. Well, I, I said though, well, let me make it clear. I'm not okay. her biggest fan. Of her songs, because you're a fan of her as a person. Yes, I'm a okay. fan of the things that she's doing. Because, no, because I told her, like, well, not her, but other people too, that I don't really listen to music. I'm uh -huh. weird like that. Um, I don't have, like, Apple Music. I have, well, I have Apple Music. Like, it's a part of the, the subscription, but I'm not using it. You see? Like, it's, I don't listen to music at all. <laughs> That's why. I think you listen to music. Come on, like uh, I—that's I a fun like, fact. I'm not—I'm not really that passionate about music. Like recently in the Zoom, there was a, people were talking about songs that have made them cry. Okay. And I've never cried because of a song. Okay. Like I like music. I love music. I have it no, in the background. I like you. listen to it when I'm driving, but I'm not really that passionate about music. So when you say that I don't really like music, I'm like, I think you do, but just not the way Into other people it. do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you said it right. And also, Jimmy, no, for real. Um, that one, I never understood it. Like, I wish I'm that kind of person that you know can feel things through music. I just, I just couldn't. Though I sing. You saw me sing, right? Like yeah. before. Yeah. You did, but, you did karaoke, so I have a hard yes. time believing that you don't listen to music. Oh. <laughs> no. Okay, for example, the the movie Hook, the movie Hook, it the uh, John Williams is a composer and there are certain scenes on Hook that I don't think are really that good, but because John Williams music is there, they bring out the emotion of the scene and it, it's amazing. It really is beautiful. But songs on their own don't make me cry. <laughs> there has to be other there has to be other elements along with it. A story, yeah. the people if I see people in pain, like actors portraying pain in an appropriate way, I'm like, all right, I can cry now. But songs on their own, eh. <laughs> yeah. No, for real, yeah. I feel you, Jimmy. We're the same. Oh, I'm thankful <laughs> I'm not the only one. Because I'm already starting to think that what kind of dry-ass, boring-ass person I am. Don't listen to music and shit. 
<laughs> you li- you listen to music, you just you're not that into it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like let's say not intentional too. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, it's 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 that serious. Because I I watch musicals. I love musicals. I just I've never had a song to make me cry. I just don't feel that passionate about it as other people like. In, in Zooms where people are like, oh, let's share songs that we like. I'm like, that's cool. I'm going to go do something else for now. <laughs> oh, is that why you, you turn off your camera in Zooms? Like Sometimes. <laughs> you are shady, Jimmy. I cannot uh, that's not shady. with you. <laughs> that's not shady. That's like just, people uh... are singing their hearts out and here you are like, just muting your laptop and like, I'm not, I don't want to hear this shit. Oh, no. Yeah, the, the I don't want to hear this the worst thing about karaoke, the worst thing about karaoke is that, especially when you do it on Zoom, is that there's lag. And so you'll have people singing and the music will be completely off. Or if people are tuning in a duet, they are not in sync. And it's just yeah. bizarre. It I love... It's cringy too. No, I feel you. Yeah. Um, and that... Been... Okay. It reminds, yeah, me of, it reminds me of conventions, of comic book conventions, mm-hmm. where they decide to have karaoke going on on a floor. And I'm like, oh, I really need alcohol. Karaoke is so much better with alcohol. And if I'm sober, I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> you know, like, um, especially in the Filipino community, like, we do a lot of um, karaoke. I'm telling you. Like, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, that's why a lot of my friends will tell me, like, all Filipinos, like, are, are really good with singing. I'm like, I don't know if we're good, but it, because, like, we grew up around it. Literally, like, 100% of Filipinos would tell you, like, they grew up around, um, in funerals, we sing, like, in, in, we have karaoke in funerals, in weddings, in everything, in everything. Ooh, yeah. That's one of the things I love about, you know, yeah. Do they have a funeral category that they pick from? Because I think that they would be um... really... If, if you're singing Lady Gaga's monster face, <laughs> poker no, face. No, there's a thing. It's weird like that. No, um, I remember my grandma died. We have a karaoke. Every, people were drinking. It's like a fucking party, except you have a coffin there. No, for real. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. And I, <laughs> I, I actually dig that. I really do. Because I always think that, it, you know, whenever, whenever I die and I have a funeral... I don't want people to be bummed out. If there's a karaoke, that's even better. Drink alcohol and sing songs. Come on, celebrate life, people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I don't want to be remembered as, you know, like, I don't want them to be crying and shit. I want them to talk about, you know, the things that I did that made them laugh, you know, that made them angry, you know, things like that. You know, not not about, oh, she's gone. Like, I don't like that. <laughs> So, so I really dig having a karaoke there because at first I was asking if there was a category of like sad songs, really appropriate songs, and that's just because some people, especially in uh, U.S. culture, um, that funerals and death is a scary subject. So everyone mm-hmm. wants to be somber as hell. I love the idea of a celebration rather than mourning because mourning sucks uh, and mourning is very confusing because we all we all do it differently. So celebrating life and singing and enjoying everyone's company is beautiful. And I think that that's so much better, so much healthier. <laughs> How did they get you for the, uh, the Power of Kindness documentary? Because I saw a lot of people there and mm-hmm. everyone had a really meaningful story to hear. Yeah. From. Um, actually, it's a 
it's my it's my boss. I don't okay. know where she got it, but she was like, like girl, like I see you doing this, but I didn't know it was for Lady Gaga. The um, so I had to send like a VTR, like a video thing, like hey, my name is Carla. You know, I'm I'm I live in Los Angeles. This is my thing. The the premise of the thing was um, talking about mental health and advocacy. So I'm like, oh, I'm down, you know, like talking about, you know, my struggles and, you know, sharing it with people so that, you know, with the hopes of like helping others. Um, I thought that's, that was about it. I didn't know that Lady Gaga will be there until one hour before I met her. It was like that. It was a surprise. So I think they did that so that, you know, people would actually join, not because of Lady Gaga, but because like they really wanted to share, you know, their message, you know, um, and the things that they're doing and their journeys with mental health. That's the thing. But I didn't know it was Lady Gaga. So they just, um, yeah, they called me like, hey, like we we chose you. We think that your story um, fit the, you know, what, what, what we are planning to do and stuff like that. And then I'm like, when I got there to the set, I'm like, damn, like people are like with Born This Way Foundation. I mean, I know Born This Way, like it's Lady Gaga. I'm like, holy shit. Like, and people were talking about how, oh, we will have um, we will have a celebrity here. I'm like, oh, nice. Initially, I'm like, that can't be Lady Gaga. I mean, really? Like, but it was a pretty big set. And then last minute they were like, oh, Lady Gaga is on her way. I'm like, what? You know, even I was not her biggest fan. <laughs> gagged. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. That's I'm glad they kept it a secret because that's that's how you would get people who are authentically interested in doing the work in yeah. sharing and participating. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I loved about the documentary is the emphasis on loving yourself, learning yeah. how to love yourself. And Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, when this episode airs, I think it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be the 11th, so it'll be three days later. It's, you know, it's February 14th, right? Oh, February 16th, right? 16th? 14th. Is February Valentine's? I can't remember what day Valentine's Day is. 14th. 16th? 14th. Okay, 16th. 14th. Okay, 14th. Oh, Jamie, I cannot with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So I love Valentine's Day. I think it's fantastic. I think it's one of my favorite holidays because I like celebrating love. Do you have a Once date, I... Jimmy? What was that? Do you have a date on that day? If I don't, it's myself because I love – once I found out that I just like celebrating love on Valentine's Day, uh, just do stuff that you love. Watch movies you love. Eat food that you love. Go on a date with yourself. If you don't have a partner, it doesn't have to be romantic. It could be platonic. It could just be fun, obnoxious romance. Um, so that being said, if you were going to go on a date with yourself, how would that look like? What would you do to woo yourself? Oh shit. It's going to be fun. I mean, All right. I'm a person who's down to do anything and try anything. Um, and I'm, I am, I think I'm the person I want to be with, you know, I'm honest. I am smart and I give a good head, Jimmy, like, <laughs> So, you know, like, I got everything, you know, like, 
is responsible and shit like that. No, um, I think if I'm gonna date myself, what I'm gonna do like to get me to date me, I think you know like bring me to a good Asian restaurant, preferably um Thai or Filipino. I love those food. I love eating anything that has food. Like I'm 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 in. Even when I'm in I'm studying. Um, if people will tell me, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you to to eat. Just like earlier, um, a friend of mine was texting me like, hey, girl, like I need your help. I'm like, oh no, I'm studying, and then she's like, I'm gonna bring food. I'm like, okay, come through. So, <laughs> yeah. So like that, anything with food, especially Thai or Filipino food, I fucking love. And that's 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 my that's your way to my heart. That's my way to my heart. That's you your know? way to your heart. Bring yeah. Food. Yeah. <laughs> Food is therapeutic. Yeah, I, I I agree with the food. I think that uh, I will start with a with a waffle. I love waffles. That's that's my go to comfort food when it comes to breakfast. Okay, uh, a good cup go. of coffee. Um, I'll probably watch movies, and I'm trying to think if I'll just stick to Disney or if I'll go to just '80s silly movies. I don't know. We'll find okay. out when we get there. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll decide what my craving for movies is that day whether it's uh disney or if i just want to go on a brendan fraser binge <laughs> like all brendan fraser i films. love his movies <laughs> i love his movies i'm telling you yeah i binge watch but, it too what else besides food would you do for you're 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 literally on a date with you you're the one that's uh be like oh well surprise carla we're going here oh thank you carla <laughs> yeah thank you self you're awesome <laughs> and you know like let me share something serious though um mm-hmm. because i'm a person who i have a hard time relaxing i feel guilty to be honest with you last night i was crying um because i feel overwhelmed because i was fucking watching tv and i feel bad i was telling my husband how i feel bad i feel guilty for watching tv and i was crying i'm like did i make the right decision of going to grad school i was telling him he said like you don't have to cry about it you got to like take it easy you gotta like, you know, relax and shit. Like, yeah. So I think dating myself would <laughs> that's what I'm gonna take myself to. Just relax, you know, even just you know, lay down on the couch without thinking about writing something or reading something or you know, like taking care of myself, essentially, you know, choosing myself sometimes. <laughs> I don't know how to relax. But I think that I also would not take on all the stuff that you do. I think that <laughs> I think all the stuff that you do is absolutely awe-inspiring. So when you're like, oh, is it a bad thing that I went to grad school? I'm like, no, you're you would you're gonna smash that shit. You're gonna beat it down. It's a you are a unstoppable force to be reckoned with. So the grad school I think is amazing. For me, that would be too much. <laughs> I don't even like driving through a parking lot during the holidays. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but Jimmy, you're doing amazing work. I love your art. No, for real though. Like, you're just fucking amazing. Like, I was showing everyone like, hey, this is my friend who did this. I'm showing you what work. Your Instagram, I'm like, oh, this is my friend. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know him personally. Yeah. You're you're just amazing. Thank you. I, I 
recent years, prior to the pandemic, um, I found out one of my favorite things to do for Valentine's Day is ask friends who wants to be my Valentine. And whoever whoever volunteers, they get to be my Valentine. And I go and take them on a ridiculously obnoxious date. When I say obnoxious, not an obnoxiously romantic, like cheesy as hell, like sitcom level of cheesy. Um, the first one I went with was my friend Kalina, and she had to get approval from her wife to go on a Valentine's Day date <laughs> with me. <laughs> my friend Elliot, that was really cool. Um, we went to one place where I told him, let me know in all this area, what's the most romantic spot? And he picked it, and I was like, all right. And I brought a little like slab of wood, and I sketched him out with the background of the location that we were at. And I gave it to that. I was like, happy Valentine's Day, and I gave him a little wooden heart. Uh, so I like to cute. go. I like to go romantic as fuck, but in a platonic way. <laughs> I love that. No, that's why I love you as a friend, Jimmy. You know, we we have this conversations about you know, hey Jimmy, I love you, and just responding, like getting a response from you, is assuring because you know, I never had any guy friends who tell me that who tell me that they love me. You know, and getting that from you, I'm like, oh, Jimmy, like, I always want to hug you, Jimmy. You know, when we when we chat, you know, you're checking on me and stuff like that. Um, You're just an amazing friend. That's why I fucking love you. I fucking love so you much. as well. <laughs> and no, I'm telling you, though. Oh, my husband, for sure, he's going to watch this. He's uh-huh. notorious for, for ruining Valentine's for us because he will always tell me, oh, that's just the way of capitalism to, you know get you from buying shit that's my husband for you and i'm like well okay that may be the case but i'm your fucking wife and you have an amazing fucking wife and he will agree um no, he's not but... wrong about capitalism though just... <laughs> yeah that's true and that's the thing about me though i'm not really materialistic you know just fucking take me out or let's eat or you know let's go to Let's go yeah, to a place that has the overlooking view of the city. Shit like that. You don't have to shop for me and stuff, you know? I was going to say, most of the stuff that we mentioned, the waffle, the tie, the uh, the wooden thing, we still had to buy that. So it's still capitalism. That's true. Yeah. But when you said some place overlooking the city, I'm like, oh, you still had to pay to drive, but that's relatively free. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, and give him an amazing head, you know, while looking <laughs> through the city. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like most holidays are capitalism, so uh, if his okay. argument is just that Valentine's Day is capitalism, that's not true. It's just Every an excuse is. to be lazy, you know, to tell me it's capitalism, but here you are celebrating fucking Thanksgiving and shit. Oh, oh no. <laughs> You're gonna I, celebrate I always, me. <laughs> I always have to remind people, I'm like, you know, when we get to Halloween, they're just like, oh, I don't have much money to go out and do all this stuff. And I'm like, then don't. No one tells you. There's no rule on how to celebrate a holiday. <laughs> Peer pressure. That's a shame. That's a bummer. Um, so back to the documentary, which I really love. And it was it was talking about kindness, talking about listening to people, um, talking about self-love. Mm-hmm. How do we teach kids? How do we get that information to kids so that it starts off in an early age rather than putting them through the life experiences to get them to this, this knowledge? That's a very good fucking question, Jimmy. Um, I would, I would also tell you that if I am 
talk, if I'm going to talk to my younger self about kindness and self-love, this is definitely something that I didn't have. I was so hard on myself. For the most part, I hated myself, you know, <laughs> every single thing. I think one of the, the most effective ways, um, you know, to teach kids or to show kids about kindness and self-love is to teach them how to name and understand their emotions and that it is okay to, you know, to express that, you know, life, you know, like growing up, you know, from your being a kid to growing up, it's not always going to be happy. It's not always going to be positive. So I think, you know, like teaching kids early on that, you know, that they can feel different emotions, that it's perfectly fine to feel emotions, I think would be beneficial because, you know, compassion will come from that. If they know that, you know, they can feel certain emotions, people around them can also feel certain emotions and that they would have the understanding that, okay, they are feeling this, they're experiencing this, and this is how the way, how, how to deal with it. Because to me, growing up, my emotions were suppressed. I cannot express anger. I cannot be crying. I cannot be sad. Everything has to be fucking all rainbows and unicorns and happiness. That's not how life is, you know? I think to teach kids, you know, about loving yourself is to allow yourself to feel different emotions. And at the same time, how do we do this? Of course, you know, you're gonna be an you gotta be, you have to be an example as an adult. You gotta model it, you know, you gotta model kindness. And the thing is, you know, you gotta be honest about it, you know, to the kids, you know. That's why I love my 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 friends, especially my friends who have kids, they're doing this amazingly, amazingly. Like they teach, they, they, they show their kids, you know, when they're upset that, you know, mommy is not, you know, not happy about what you did. So I'm upset and things like that. Like having the conversation between a fucking parent and a kid is powerful because you're allowing the kids to, that it is okay to talk to adults, you know, like to open up about what they feel. And from then they will learn to appreciate that, oh, you know, my emotions are valid and that is that it is okay you know because if you keep telling kids that oh what they're doing is wrong and what they're feeling is wrong they grow up not loving themselves they grow up hating themselves because they were always told that they are wrong and what they're feeling is wrong you know lastly i would like to stress out that you know kindness also hatred too though is contagious so whatever it is that you show around kids, you don't necessarily have to teach it to them. Whatever it is that you show to kids, they, they mirror it. That's, that's, that's the amazing thing about kids, but it's a double-edged sword. You know, if you're a household that allow this kind of culture, you know, to, to proliferate, you know, like you talk about, you know, like helping other people and setting boundaries, you know, saying no, that it is okay to say no, you know, I think that's how we how we move forward in teaching kids about kindness and self-love, you know, to show it and to leave it and to model it.